communicating with the dead in times of despair, war times, times of high anxiety. It seems that we want more than ever to connect with those that have left this planet, those that have preceded us in death, either to commune, to make that final contact, or seek some sort of knowledge. Seances and spirit communication are as old as written. It's amazing how so many different cultures from all around the world have had a fascination with finding a way to communicate with their dead, to show respect for their dead, to try to leave an open line of communication for spirits to come forward. Tonight, we'll be talking about seances, speaking with the dead. Our guest, Claire Goodchild, when we return, you're listening to the best in paranormal programming. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Hello, my little darklings, and thank you for joining me here as we begin season two of the best in paranormal programming. This is the Paranormal 60. Sadly, tonight we start on a bit of a, a downer. I've got to be honest with you. I just uh, read the news just moments before we came on. One of the Pointer sisters passed away. Actor Jeremy Renner was critically injured today in a plow accident on his property, uh, still awaiting a full update on just how bad but it seems from eyewitness reports, it's pretty bad. And for those of you that might have been tuning into Monday Night Football this evening, watching the Buffalo Bills take on the Cincinnati Bengals, you may have witnessed when Bills safety DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field. After what looked like a routine tackle against Tyler Higby, he stood back up, wobbled for a second, and went straight back planking. He was quickly attended to by the medical staff and, and the teams that surrounded him. The terrifying aspect is that experts ran on the field and began doing CPR for over 15 minutes until an ambulance could get there to try to usher him off the field. Players were seen sobbing openly, crying, holding together, and in a show of solidarity, both coaches approached the middle of the field speaking to officials, and the game was suspended. We have no update on what's going on, but our thoughts and prayers should be with each one of these people, their families, and the people that they leave behind. It shows you just how precious and short life really is. So as we look into this new era, this new time, let's do it with humble nature and an open heart. And remember to love the people around you, to show them the love and courtesy and respect, because tomorrow is not promised. Before we get too far into uh, tonight, I, I do have a cool little segment that was created by our very own paranormal detective, Greg Lawson, coming at us with a new... 
Welcome. I'm Greg Lawson of the Paranormal 60 News with your Paranormal Daily. This is from a year in ghost stories of 2023. When the lights went down in the 1982 Manila International Film Festival, the attendees did not know who might be lurking around in the dark. Because the new Manila Film Festival had been recklessly constructed, this resulted in tragedy. On November 17, 1981, a scaffold and the upper floor of the building collapsed. Some workers were impaled on steel bars, and more than 100 of them fell into some quick-drying cement. Accounts differ to about what happened because the government ordered a media blackout right away. What is clear is the construction resumed almost immediately. Half-buried men that could not be rescued were cut into pieces and removed out of the dry cement, which was covered over with a new layer. The festival continued on as planned, and the guests were completely unaware of the corpses that lay below their feet. Locals believe the center is cursed, haunted by the men that were buried alive there. Many rituals have been performed at the site to clear it of its hauntings, but the spirits remain stubborn. For more stories of the weird, make sure you tune in to the Paranormal 60 every Monday and Friday at 9 p.m. Central. On behalf of Marty Vias, Eric Folsom, Dave Schrader, I am Greg Lawson. Have an interesting week. Thank you very much, Greg. Interesting, right? Uh, sadly, yet another story of tragedy and death. That's going to lead us into tonight's topic. I've wondered if the reason we see the type of spirits that we see, many from the turn of the century, the last century, from the late 1800s through the early 1900s, if the reason we see those spirits so much is because there was such a big wave of spirituality that took place, people seeking answers outside of the normal realm of churches, religious people, and and other group leaders. They went to mediums, they went to spiritualists, and they reached out through the veil, trying to call back friends, lovers, brothers, and sisters that had lost their lives in war and disease that ran rampant. Seances. Now, this is something that, in all honesty, I've been a part of a few seances in my life, which really seemed a lot more like gallery sessions for a medium than they did the true seance that we see on television and uh, have, have witnessed on Hollywood movies. I've been invited to a few with evidential mediums that claim during the seance they would bring forth physical manifestations of spirits that you would be able to see, touch, feel, and communicate with. And one such was taking place in uh, Nevada. Uh, I was doing my best to try to get in to attend this event. Um, things fell through at the last minute for me. The people I spoke to that went there said it was a remarkable experience, one that they'll never forget. There was a child spirit making itself known, a very large, looming male spirit, and it left me wanting more. I want to know more about this. Well, lucky for us, there is a brand new book. It is called The Book of Seances. Claire Goodchild is the author. She is an award-winning artist, photographer, designer, and writer from Toronto, Canada. She created the wildly popular tarot deck, The Antique Anatomy Tarot, published in 2019 by Quattro UK and Abrams Books, that features 
antique medical images, and she was the first person to create an astrology-themed tarot deck called the Arcana of Astrology, which was published in 2020 by Abrams Books. She is here with us tonight to talk to us about this fascinating topic, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here tonight, Claire. Hi, I'm so excited. Was that a spirit trying to make its way in? Did you hear that? <laughs> uh, seances. Now, can you explain to me? Uh, you know, I know spirit communication and um, ways of honoring our dead have been around as long as there's been written word or even oral tradition to share what's been done. But the art of the seance, what do we know about that? When did that truly begin? So seances, as we think of them, like with a group of people sitting around a table, that mm -hmm. really came into fashion in the 18 and 1900s. Um, okay. As you probably know, it started with three girls, the Fox sisters, the two younger ones who uh, mm -hmm. were communicating with a spirit in their home. Um, and that was kind of the catalyst, but there were things already happening in the background. So the first one is mass death, right? In the 1800s, mm -hmm. America in particular had a lot of wars going on, right? You have the Civil War, you've got the Mexican-American War, you have the War of 1812. So, so many people were dying at such a high rate that no one really got closure, right? Um, especially because the time it took for you to get word that your loved one, you know, was injured or sick or, or whatever, they were already dead, you know, by the time it reached you. So that was a, a big thing. And people started turning to mediums in order to get that closure. Um, and then, of course, there were also pandemics during that time, right. which we now have experienced for ourselves, um, mm -hmm. specifically cholera. So that was a big push towards spiritualism. Um, yeah. And, you know, people we're looking for something more, right? Like you had church and, and you had that and, you know, you had kind of the comfort of church. It's funny, isn't it? We always struggle. Well, you had church and you had, yeah. there really was nothing else. There was yeah, church exactly. really was exactly. the only place that you had to turn in these times of crisis. And they were hurting just as poorly. They were losing parishioners. They were mm -hmm. uh, dealing with the, the thought of, of death and war and pestilence and disease around them all the time. You know, we want to say, oh, well, we had all these options. There, there really wasn't. There was, there was God in church, and church, yeah. and that was about the extent of where we could turn in our desire to make communication and understand it. And it was frowned upon by the church, right? They didn't want soothsayers or mediums, witches, psychics, because they felt that that took you away from actually communicating with God, which was not happening for a lot of people. They felt broken and lost and abandoned by God. Exactly. Yeah. So you'd have, they'd go to church and then later that night, you know, they'd go to a seance led by a medium and it, and it was kind of the way that they created their own community essentially. Um, yeah. And the church, you know, at first I think they kind of tolerated it. Um, but more and more people started branching out and doing divination and automatic writing on their own. And so they started to think, well, if I can communicate with spirits on my own, maybe I can communicate with God on my own too. And, you know, the church didn't like that. 
Um, no, they want to be, they want to be the focal point for you to reach God, to reach those answers. And again, this is not clear or I putting down the church. This is the way the church was run, is still run, really. They still tell you that mediums and soothsayers, fortune tellers, psychics, and and uh, divination of any type, necromancy is against all church edict, really, even though Christ did it, right? So many of the prophets spoke to the dead and, and had ways of doing this. It's uh, it's it's really fascinating. And again, we're not not taking a shot at anybody's religion at all, folks. I hope you do understand that. But we have to put things in perspective to the way that things were perceived and how they went about them. Now, in the time, you know, you've got the Fox sisters who are working on, which is really kind of funny, very basic rudimentary communication, right? Knocking something, you know, knocks and pops, bangs. Um, they weren't really into the vocalizations and all that would come after that. Uh, but yet they captured the imagination of the world. And it came out later that they believed that the one sister was just able to not dislocate necessarily her toes, but to crack them in a very pop loud manner underneath the table. However, attendees were there claiming, no, that they heard the sound coming from around them. Now, is this part of the grieving process? Are we so... I guess, are we struggling so much to want to get that closure that we'll accept even these strange moments that could just be a, a double-jointed girl able to, you know, crack her toes underneath the table? You know, I think so. And I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing, you know, to the way we find closure is very personal. So if it's something that you believe, I think that's okay. Um, my problem with how the Fox sisters were treated was, you know, the searches of their bodies and the, you know, the sideshow that was made of them, you know, and like, that's where we cross the line away from closure to a sort of desperation for finding out what's, you know, on the other side, right. so to speak. And, you know, then you have to sit back and you wonder, though, I mean, we're we've we want to protect the grieving and the innocent, the people that are in a, a vulnerable position. And there are a lot of charlatans out there. There were a lot of scam artists and people who um, took it beyond just the, the pale of communication into, oh, the spirit is telling me that there is a curse upon your family and I need you to give me 200 gold pieces or something ridiculous. I have to melt them down and donate them or bury them. You need to give these to me because the curse is tied to the money that you have gotten up to this point in your life. And people were doing that. So I, as tragic as it sounds for what they put the Fox sisters through, there was also, I, I mean, you kind of understand why, because there were people taking advantage of good people. I stand in a strange position, and I've talked about this honestly and openly for years. I have many friends that are mediums. I have some friends who think they're mediums, and I've watched both do gallery sessions and readings. And I can, I can pretty clearly ascertain when they're doing it more of a cold reading, a mm -hmm. basic generic message. But I understand there is a certain level of expectation for what they're doing and presenting and people are demanding man. they want some kind of communication. So I often wonder if they just feel like maybe if I can give you some basic form of, of, Oh, Claire, I'm, I'm sensing an older man and blah, blah, blah. And then and we tap in, I can 
watch for your actions and tap in. Okay, so she must have a grandfather on the other side. He's saying this. And, you know, giving some sort of closure. I kind of feel like, well, it's kind of screwy that they're doing it. But on the other side, I've also seen a lot of people not have to go to therapy anymore because they got to say goodbye. They got their closure. They got to tell the ghost how pissed off they were and the spirit apologized. And that's something they never got in life. Now they're getting it in death and it, it helps. So it's kind of like, wow, where is the imaginary line that we draw in the circle of what is acceptable and what is not? Is there a certain amount of money? Now, I know some really good mediums that uh, actually cut people off. They're like, Claire, you know, I've given you two readings this month and I'm not giving you any more. I mean, you know, sure, I'll give you $300. I need to know. And no, that's not going to happen. I'm not allowing that to take place. We become so beholden to our desires and our grieving process that we 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 forget logic in some cases. So I really appreciate the mediums I've spoken to who cut people off <laughs> and don't want to seem like they're egregiously taking advantage of their, their misery and, and loneliness by just continually taking their money. Um, but there are some, of course, that have no issue with that at all. It, it's such a strange affair for what is really kind of a, a beautiful thing. It's, us wanting that one more time to say, Claire, I miss you. I love you. And I'm sorry we didn't get along better in life, or I'm sorry I let you down. And, you know, getting that kind of vent off of our chest. Um, I, I can understand why people ran other people out of town, and I can understand how some people, including the church, allowed it, because that had to alleviate some of the pressure and tension off of the clergy, which seemed ill-prepared to answer the questions. Totally. And, you know, with the scam, it's funny that you bring up the scammers because I get impersonated like at least two or three times a day on Instagram, right? Like, so that's something that I've experienced firsthand too. And at least you know, you're only getting, uh, uh, you know, cloned on Instagram. While we're talking, I just got a message from a friend who said, you should know somebody's using your photos on Plenty of Fish website and they're trying to gain uh, dates. So, Apparently, CyberMe is getting lucky, but uh, <laughs> no, I understand. You have abilities, Chris Fleming, uh, the, the Perrys, Chip Coffee, Mark Anthony, you know, many of the friends that I have that are sensitives have had that happen to them. And uh, Sarah Lemos, they will, people will claim to be them and charge exorbitant amounts of money and people pay it without even doing any research to figure out, well, why is Chris's account only a week old? And... <laughs> You know, how many accounts are there? And even if he doesn't have a blue check mark, should I maybe look around a little bit more before I decide, you know, to, to lay my, my money down? Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's funny because this whole idea of, of, you know, exaggerated mediumship and, and the stage performance part of it was born during this time too, right? Like as it got more popular, people had to resort to more and more things to get the customers. So we see the the beginning of the giant stage seance, you know, with the cold reading and, and you know, looking for someone in the audience and stuff like that. And I think nowadays we're kind of coming back to the more quiet, private, seance style, you know, automatic writing, things like that, tarot cards, you know, even spirit boards, um, which is kind of nice 
you know, it's becoming more of a personal practice for a lot An of people. An intimate situation, right? Exactly. Yeah. And But Claire, how how do people and I I see questions in the chat room and I know I got mm-hmm. a lot of questions sent to me prior. How do we discern who isn't a charlatan? You know, I mean, that's that's really a tough angle to to answer and I you know, people are like, who do you recommend? And I'm like, God, you know, even the people I love and respect, I've never had a reading from them except for one. And that was Michael and Marty Perry. And I, I avoided it like the plague because I always felt like I'm a public figure and I'm very open on my show. Mm-hmm. I talk about, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. So it wouldn't take much for you to get into my head and make me believe. Now, for the most part with social media, that could be done as well. I could go look up Claire Goodchild and, oh, I've got a reading with Claire. How many Claire Goodchilds are there out there? I'm going to find her, uh, tap into a few things, notice this, notice that about her. I, f- I feel a very artistic vibe around you, Claire. And, you know, I mean, you know, kind of parlaying that. And people have a reason to be skeptical. There mm-hmm. are more scams now, I think, than ever before. Mm-hmm. But there's still that want and desire to communicate with the other side. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important that people kind of learn themselves how to do this mm-hmm. stuff too. And that's not to like take customers away from, from mediums, but if you can communicate with spirits, like on your own, using a divinatory tool, you're going to have a better understanding of the way certain mediums are working as well. Right. And you mm-hmm. might realize that you don't actually need to go to one, or you may want to go to one even more, you know, like to get, that kind of the messages that you're getting on your own confirmed by someone else, which can sometimes help. But when it comes to picking a medium, I think, you know, you can, I don't think you can ever know for sure. And that's where your own level of belief has to come into play, right? Because at the end of the day, it's your life and it's the messages for you. So you need to decide going in, like, what am I going to believe? What am I not going to believe? And just give it a try. But yeah, I think everyone should try it for themselves first. Um, I would be, you know, I have a lot of uh, mediumistic psychic friends, people on that level that tell me, Dave, you are very attuned to this. You're very open to this. You have to start trusting and believing. And I do not trust myself at all. I know how much death has been a part of my fear factor my entire life and losing my mom, you know, it would be easy to lean into somebody and say, how's she doing? you know, or try to tap in myself. But I, I honestly feel I couldn't discern what I want to feel as opposed to what might really be coming through, if anything at all. Uh, I have felt a very clear divide since my mom passed. I don't feel bad about it. I, you know, I, and this is the one practice you want to take money away from uh, mediums and psychics. Be nice to the people that you love. Say the things that you want to say today so that when they're gone tomorrow, you don't have to regret that you didn't say it. And then you don't have to make amends with anybody, right? That's the best piece of advice you can give uh, in, in this kind of situation. But I I feel for me, it would be extremely hard to differentiate that. Donna C has a question. She says, so many people come in with expectations for their readings. How do you navigate when the spirits are not giving the expected answers? That's a great question, Donna. Thank you. Yeah, that is a good question because I think um, as a tarot reader in particular for me, like sometimes I go into a reading and I'm like, this is what I want out of it. And this is what I'm expecting. And then 
you don't get that. And I think sometimes you just have, you know, a bad reading or a bad session. Like that happens, right? Have you ever like gone on a ghost hunt and you get nothing? Like that's common. Um, Not me. I'm TV's <laughs> Dave Schrader. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course you do. You go into some places that are, are known to be hotbeds of paranormal activity. And you don't even hear a mouse fart. You know, there's nothing that goes on. Yeah. And I, you know, the same is, is for when you're just getting like a one-on-one -on -one reading or you're doing it yourself. And I think part of that is that we do cling so much to expectations or how our perception of how someone was right. Like the, we all project our own ideas of people onto them. Right. It's, it's actually kind of an, the unfair part of life. Um, so you really have to work on just relaxing and even having fun, which sounds weird because a lot of people, you know, go to, to these things for closure, but Mm -hmm. You want to enjoy yourself too, right? Like, even if you get not what you wanted, what can you take away from the experience? Like, you could maybe still get good advice about something, right? Like, it doesn't always have to be this clear-cut thing. Mm -hmm. uh, right, and that's a good point. Uh, sorry, my screen's freaking out here. <laughs> Throwing up slides I'm not prepared to show quite yet. Um it's, you know, it's interesting when you're sitting there thinking, what can we do for uh, protection to talk to the right people, get this going? I think you had a great piece of advice. Mentally be in that place that's open. Try to get past the grieving. Do you believe that the grieving, sometimes the sadness that we hold dampens that field of communication because it, it feels like we're so wrapped up in pain that we're not going to hear the message even if it comes through? Yeah, I actually recommend to most people that like if you're in the first, you know, stages of grief or you've just lost someone that you don't engage in this sort of thing unless, you know, you have a lot of experience doing it um, just because you're probably not in the headspace to take in what you're hearing or, or getting. And, you know, that might end up hurting you even more, whereas you want this to be like a good experience, right? You don't want it to be something horrible. Right. That's why I would guess being somebody with mediumistic abilities like you, but relying on tarot cards, you're, you're, you're leaning into a double, uh, double issue in my opinion. Cause Hey, I have a specific idea of what I want this reading to mean. And then you're going to throw a death card down and I'm going to go into my own version of what that means. <laughs> and you're trying to, no, no, no. It just means it's something, maybe your job is about to change. Or, oh no, I've been worried that I was going to die. And I wanted my mom to tell me And the first card out is death. You've got a double whammy of trying to communicate. How do you get past what the cards portray to the person? Because that's got to raise anxiety. Yeah. You go through the rules of execution before you even start doling out the cards so that you could say, and maybe execution is the wrong word to use when talking about the death card. So I generally like for people to have some idea of how tarot works. And, and that's why I always recommend people do it, you know, themselves first, um, just mm -hmm. so they get kind of a base understanding. You don't have to know everything. And, you know, 
<laughs> a lot of people do freak out, you know, when they get the death card, the devil, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, they have their set tarot meanings, but when it comes to spirit communication, it changes a little bit. So for me, when I get the death card in a reading, that means a spirit is around. Like it does mean death. Yes, in a career reading, for instance, it might mean that something's ending because death is an ending. But in this kind of scenario, it is like, hey, there's death here. It's not necessarily like an omen. It's more like an acknowledgement. And I think when people understand that, that it's just all the tarot cards are doing is just acknowledging feelings or having you look at something a little differently. Um, it's not this scary, you know, sort of right. situation. Yeah. Uh, I want to get more into the concept of seance and talk about some of the things that, that did come after, because there are some really fascinating deals. I've talked about the skull experiment on the show before. As a matter of fact, folks, if you go to the paranormal 60 YouTube channel and look on uh, videos, I think, uh, there's, there's all these different categories, videos, live, Live, you'll find all of the live shows I've done. Videos will be some of the pre-recorded shows I put up, but there's also the Skull Experiment uh, documentary, which was interesting because they followed a specific set of rules that they followed for years, and they got interesting results. Um, physical manifestations from the other side, apportations, uh, spirit images, uh, really, really profound communication. But I want to know what your thoughts are on this and, and in the research you've done when it comes to things like ectoplasm, the, the cheese cloths that they would seem to, you know, pull out of their nose or, or vomit up uh, that they claimed was uh, spectral energy as opposed to a, a physical fabric. Um, where do all of these things fit in and were any of them ever proven real? I would guess it'd be simple enough to take a piece of that ectoplasm and bring it to your local fabric dealer and go, what is this? Well, it's burlap. Are you sure it's not ectoplasmic burlap, you know, and, and get that information. So we'll talk with Claire about that. Again, the book is out and available. There's a link for it on today's program guide, the book of seances by Claire Goodchild, a guide to divination and speaking to spirits. We also have a link up for Claire's website so that you can go there and find out more about her, get readings, get her books and do so much more. Uh, again, folks, let me just, I, I can't reiterate this enough. Um, take care of the people you love. Make sure that you're reaching out to them, telling them how you feel. Uh, make it a memorable life so that you're not trying to make memories in the afterlife. You're not reaching through that veil in desperation to say the last thing that needs to be said. Even if it's screw you, drop dead jerk, let them know now so that you don't feel like you got to harass the poor person on the other side. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have more conversations and uh, more to discuss right here on the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, 
there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better. Help, H E L P dot com slash P sixty. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp dot com slash P sixty. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Sounds strong. Urban's Edge Tattoo Aftercare is the first ethically sourced, all natural, vegan, and organic tattoo care line on the market. All of our products are formulated by leading experts in the skincare industry and are developed especially to nourish, enhance, and preserve your tattoos. Our tattoo-enhancing balms are non-greasy and the perfect consistency for daily use. They're absorbent, hydrating, restorative, and are guaranteed to bring life back into your artwork. Visit www.urbansedgetattoo.com to order your starter kit today. That's www.urbansedgetattoo.com. Hey, I want to make a mention that uh, not only do I handpick the advertisers that appear on the show, but I also use their product. And I have tattoos. I know many of you have tattoos, and many of you are looking for ways to brighten your tattoos and keep them the very best that they can be. Urban's Edge is the place you want to go. They have balms for... Uh, gosh, not only for that, but they've got uh, some really amazing pain relief balms and roll-ons that you can use. I've told them, send me some of that information to share with our audience because I love what you've got. Uh, but please do support the great advertisers that you see help support this show. It means a lot to me, and it certainly means a lot to them. Hey, it's Chris Jericho here just reminding you about the Four Leaf Clover. Chris Jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea, the fourth voyage leaving. February 2nd from Miami to Great Stirrup Key, our very own private island. This is going to be the biggest and best Jericho cruise ever with the biggest lineup, the most fun. I guarantee it. Come join us for the vacation and the party of a lifetime. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Cabin's still available. I want to see you there. Do you know who else wants to see you there? Me, because I'm going to be there. There are very few cabins that still remain, but I promise you the Jericho Cruise is amazing. It is a lot of fun. You have access to many of the different celebrities. Quiet Riot will be aboard the ship. They'll be performing a few times. Chris Jericho and his band Fozzie will be there. I will be there. I'll be doing two live podcasts, one with comedian Jeff Dye. He's actually very much into the paranormal and one of the funniest guys on the planet, one of my absolute favorite comedians. And then on the final day of the cruise, it is a shot in the dark with the Paranormal 60 News crew. That's right. The Colonel and Chachi will join me on the ship live, and we will be doing the news, 
and imbibing in a few drinks and having some fun. I hope you'll be a part of it then. On the last night, we gather on the back of the ship in the great outdoors for Campfire Tales. We'll be talking about sea monsters, mysteries of the Bermuda Triangle, UFOs, and more. So make sure you go check it out. ChrisJerichoCruise.com Haunted Magazine is packed full of the paranormal, stuffed with the supernatural, sautéed with spookiness, garnished with ghosts, and even drizzled with a dash of demons. If you want histories, mysteries, ghost stories, hauntings, weird stuff, freaky stuff, and more supernatural than you can shake a stick at, come and see Haunted Magazine for the world's best paranormal writers. Visit www.hauntedmagazineprintshop.com for your latest scare. Remember, kids, don't be normal. Be paranormal. And I've met many of you. None of you are normal. We're all paranormal. And I want to mention, I've got a couple of cool things that are going to be popping up here very soon. That's right. We are a week away, folks. Come on out to the Fear Fair. It is Friday the 13th. Saturday the 14th, Sunday the 15th in Southern California. It's a party. I'll be there. Ben Hansen will be there. We're going to be talking ghosts and UFOs and cryptids. Oh my, it's going to be an amazing weekend filled with concerts, shopping, paranormal chats, haunts and attractions, a variety of different acts, film festivals, special guests, and more. You can find more information at thefearfair.com. Spell fair with F-A-I-R-E.com. Or if it's easy to remember, just go to darknessevents.com, darknessevents.com. And hey, all of my friends in Richmond, Virginia, Galaxy Con is coming your way March 24th through the 26th. All tickets are 25% off if you use the code Galaxy 25, all one word, Galaxy 25, G-A-L-A-X-Y 25. And I will be there. You can get more information at galaxycon.com. There will be four major conventions this year. I will be at every one of them hosting celebrity panels and discussions and paranormal talks. So you want to be there because I always have a great time at GalaxyCon. They run amazing events with fantastic speakers. I believe, uh, I believe at that one, David Tennant, Doctor Who, he'll be on hand. I'll be there, and I'll try not to fangirl. I can't make any promises, but I'll do my very best. So if you show up, you may get to see me fangirl. I'd all definitely fangirl for this guy, Shane Pittman, back behind bars, old Joliet State Prison, coming up May 5th and 6th. Just a few tickets remain for Saturday and a handful of tickets remain for the Friday one-day event. Or if you'd like to be one of the lucky ones that do the VIP event and get to uh, get both nights of investigations, our full presentations, and get two daytime walkthroughs of one of the most historic and haunted sites in Illinois. Go get information about it. Get signed up. Don't wait. These tickets are moving. Darknessevents.com. My good friend Kitsy is going to join us. Kitsy Duncan. She is an author. She is a sensitive. She is amazing. She's going to be on hand to help us communicate with the other side. That's what I'm doing this year. What are you doing? And when are you going to join me? All right. We've got a great guest here. Again, let me mention her book. It is The Book of Seances by Claire Goodchild, a guide to divination and speaking to spirits. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Claire, 
let's get into this. All of the crazy paraphernalia that came with it. There were horns and trumpets and body boxes so that the mediums could not move. And all of these other remarkable things that would happen. Photographs of this fabric-like substance emitting from the mouths of the mediums that were communicating. Now, I've been around Cindy Keza when she's automatic writing and she's tapping into the paranormal. Never once, not once, have I seen nary a tissue come out from any orifice on her body, let alone emitting these cheesecloths and things that would, would show up. What do we make of that? I mean, you know, obviously Ghostbusters has us believe ectoplasm is this runny green goo that the spirits leave behind as they traverse our planet, but there's so much more to this. What can you tell us regarding the original seances and all of this crazy elaborate stuff that would take place? So ectoplasm in particular goes back to what I mentioned earlier about mediums really having to stand out. And so mm -hmm. they needed to come up with something you know, that is going to draw a crowd. And if you can, you know, literally vomit up cloth, that is a talent and people want to see it, whether they believe it or not. Right? I have been in the wrong business for way too long. There's no money in paranormal reality. If I knew that I'd have been swallowing t-shirts and oh, look at that. And then I'd sell them afterwards, Claire, I'd be a millionaire. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, things like spirit trumpets where they would, you know, float around the room and voices would whisper into them. And, you know, I think at this point, we were kind of moving away from the legitimate need for closure to the more mm -hmm. performative excitement part of it. Right. By then, everyone had had, you know, at least five seances, probably, you know, so they it, it needed to be fun. Um, mm -hmm. But in a way, even though, you know, these things are not legitimate, it did lead to, you know, our style of modern paranormal investigating, right? And all the tools, inventors started to get in on it and experiment with things. And, you know, even Alexander Graham Bell believed in the paranormal and, you know, there are mediums who only work with the phone, things like that. So right. I we kind of have to, in a way... Alexander Graham Bell, Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla all believed in spiritual communication in one way or another. Tesla believed that he was being contacted from beings on Mars. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 incredible because, like, you can appreciate it for the art and you can appreciate it um, for what it led to and, and where it came from. And, you know, that's kind of where we're going back to in a way like combining all these different things like you mentioned cindy who you know she does automatic writing which is the classic you know medium mm. tool you know like even though she is the tool but you know that is where it started and to see that become you know more popular again alongside mm -hmm. you on an investigation with more technological tools you know so it's it's really special and I think we can appreciate ectoplasm for what it was and what it led to. I certainly gained a whole new appreciation for Cindy and her automatic writing when I had it kind of forced upon me in the documentary, The Curse of Lizzie Borden. Something channeled through my arms, something began writing I had no control over. To me, it was a terrifying experience to somebody that knows what they're doing. I'm sure it was, um, it's very accepted, but 
I, as a skeptic of a lot of those forms, and as much as I love Cindy and some of the other mediums I know, I still sit there looking at him going, how are you doing that? What Do you just have like a photographic memory? Do you? How do you know these things? And you want to give way to the possibilities of spirituality, but that nagging voice in the back of your brain going, don't be an idiot. You know, this isn't true. And then to have that happen to me. So if anybody has not seen it, it's The Curse of Lizzie Borden. And uh, I did the show with Chris Fleming, Sam Beltrusis, Luann Jolly, and I had something move through me that used my right arm to write messages. And uh, very, very strange. Hey, thanks, Dark Strider, and thank you all that are helping out with the super chat functions and making donations to the show. It is much appreciated. It's good to see you, Joe in Louisville. Um, the, I, I get the aspect of showmanship. But do you believe that any of that was ever true? Was there elements of what they were producing that were truly out of this world? Yeah, I, I do believe that, you know, there were, I don't believe in ectoplasm, but I do believe that there were legitimate mediums, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so it makes you kind of a little sad, you know, that, that they had to then do all this stuff when, you know, they were just doing what they knew how to do, you know? And, and I think having a little bit of skepticism is actually healthy. And I find that people who believe in the paranormal were actually more open to skepticism, whereas the skeptics mm -hmm. are never open to the paranormal. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a good thing too. And at the end of the day, like, you just need to decide for yourself, you know, how much you're going to believe and whether proving it to other people is important to you or not. You know, it, it's really personal. Right. I, I had a medium early on in my career of doing radio that um, we were friends and she said, I have a message coming through for you, D, and I, I know you don't like readings, uh, but this is coming through really powerful and it's a male. And she started detailing my grandfather in pretty good form. And I have a nickname for my grandfather. I don't talk about openly so that I, you know, if a medium ever connects with it. And then she goes, he's showing me a series of pictures. And each picture was a, I don't want to give it away, right? Um, like if the if his nickname was Shu, she'd be like, he's showing me a picture and pointing to his feet, you know? Now he's 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 showing me a uh, horseshoe. Does this make sense? Now he's showing me this, and and it was like he kept, but it was a specific word that he was getting sound alike words, and he would not give up. He kept giving her sound alikes, and she goes, "What is he trying to tell me?" I go, "Tell him the message is received." And she goes, well, can you tell me what it is? I said, no, that's not my job. Just continue giving me the message. I've, I understand that this is who you say it is. Just continue on. Because she was trying so hard to win me over to prove to me that this person, she'd already done it by the cycle of names around it. It was They were so crazy and obscure, there was no way for me to not know this was exactly who she was speaking with or communicating with. So that was pretty impressive to me. Again, evidential mediumship, I believe that's called, when you can bring out specific detailed information. But it seems strange to me, Claire, so many mediums and gifted people can't get names very readily. 
It's always, there's a J name. There's an R name. I'm getting a C name. Claire, does that mean anything to you? Do you know anybody with a C name? And you get these kind of, you know, very innocuous, generalized statements that come out. And again, that goes back to the cold reading. Do you think there's a reason why truly talented mediums are held back bits of information? If they are given this gift, why as a ghost am I playing Pictionary with you, Claire? When when you're trying to do a reading, why am I like, okay, three words, first word, two syllables, right? Why aren't I just saying the key is under the floorboards in the bedroom? Why is it all of this nonsense going round and round? That's why it seems so unbelievable to people. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure the experience you had was, you know, really special. It it always feels good when it's something like that you know has to be mm-hmm. true. There's no other explanation. That always feels good. And, you know, I wish I had an answer for you about why <laughs> certain <laughs> mediums, you know, seem to get stuck in <laughs> just for names. Like it is. But it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But then I've got, you know, when I first started on my journey here, I had no faith in psychics and mediums. It all sounded like complete and utter hooey. And one of the first mediums I had on my show was uh, a very young man, uh, upstart new kid named Chip Coffee. Don't know if you've ever heard of him, but uh, Chip was referred to me and they're like, you got to have this guy on your show. And I thought, okay, I'm going to set him up. We're going to pre-record the show and all the people he's going to do reading for are my friends. So it's not him setting up all of his friends to call him and be like, yeah, Chip, that's exactly it. So he did readings. And if you ever go back into my old archives on Darkness Radio, um, you could find the original episode. But he broke all the parameters. He broke all the rules and told me so up front. I'm like, okay, so we're told we're not supposed to give you names. We're not supposed to give... And he goes, Dave, I'm not here all night. If you want to connect with somebody, tell me who you want to connect with so I can plug into that person and get to it. I don't want to sit here and play 50 people waiting in line. If really all you want to talk to is Claire, then let's ask grandma, grandpa, uncle Larry to step aside and get Claire up here. And I thought, well, that's awfully convenient, right? Isn't that a little too... But Jesus, this guy knocked it out of the park. I, I've never, I was blown away listening to him because he wouldn't, he's like, I don't get names well, but okay, you want to talk to Claire? All right, Claire's here. Claire went quickly in a passing. She did this, she did that, da, 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 and he was like, boom, 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 knew exactly all this detailed information, so much so my friends thought I set them up after the call. They're like, you faked that, right? You told them all that? I'm like, no, this was a setup on him. And he was knocking stuff out of the park. And he's like, Claire saying, Dave, you have to stop sitting in the car listening to that song over and over and over. It's kind of kind of lame. You got to knock it off. Claire saying she loves you. You'll always be a part of her, but enough with my Sharona in the car by yourself. Okay. And he, this guy was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he totally blindsided him because that's what he did. He sat in the car, listened to the song over and over and over thinking of the person he had lost. And it was really kind of interesting. There seems to be no hard set rules to mediumship. One person says, don't give me any information. Then the other one says, give me information because let's not dilly dally. And it makes sense. You're like, oh yeah, of course. Why sort through and fish for all these different beings around you when really all you want to know is where's the key to the safety deposit box? Uncle Larry, come in, tell me what's going on, right? Yeah. And, you know, 
I always recommend that if people are going to do a seance by themselves or with a couple mm -hmm. of friends or something like that, that you should have a list of who you want to talk to, all your questions, you know, written out so you don't forget anything. And, you know, he had the right idea. You're just cutting through everything else and getting to the point. Um, and because all mediums work differently, all paranormal investigators work differently, I think that's something really nice just in, in general. It like, is. But know? that's, I think, what upsets the apple cart for so mm -hmm. many people is that mm -hmm. they're like, well, you're not following the rules. This isn't how I saw it done on TV. John Edwards said that a red rose means love, not a butterfly, but maybe to Claire, her mom collected butterflies. So a beautiful monarch butterfly means I love you. So it, it is different, right? There are different ways to communicate, different ways to share things, thoughts, and emotions. It's it's crazy. It's powerful. It's It's interesting to do this. When did you have your awakening that you realized you were sensitive? Uh, so my first major experience was the death of my grandfather. Um, my sisters and I stayed at my grandparents' house a lot. And, uh, one day we were playing with this weird clown doll that I got from a friend at school and we were playing paramedic with it. And that's not something we like ever did. Like none of us have an interest in medicine, you know? Sure. Um, and so we decided, you know, the clown doll's having a heart attack and, and he died. And, you know, 100 feet away in the garage, my grandfather at the same time was having a heart attack and died. And mm. uh, after that, we never found the clown doll. Like it has vanished from the house. And so that kind of made me think like, oh, was I in tune, you know, with something, at least aware of something, even though right. I couldn't see it. Um, and that's kind of where I really, you know, I was like nine years old and I, it became a fixation for me, you know, the paranormal, I want to know everything. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. How's that, how's that going by the way? Everything's right. a whole lot of info, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's the case for most people, right? Like when you become a believer, you, it's because you had an experience and, I guess some people are just, you know, born believing, but for most of us, I think that's it, right? Like there's a thing that kind of wakes you up and that was mine. I have a, a question here from Janet Westhead. She says, Dave, hypothetically, if you were to speak to someone who died as a young child, age four, would you be speaking to a child or an adult spirit? Our family lost a beautiful soul about 20 years ago as a four-year-old. I'd love her mom to be able to find the closure she deserves. It's a long story, but I have concerns about how one would communicate with such a young soul. I'll turn that to you, Claire. So I am of the belief that spirits um, stay the age that they passed. Um, but again, is that a hard and fast rule, right? Like, if we all have different levels of maturity in us, you know, even as adults, we can be childlike and children can sometimes be very adult. So maybe they can manifest things or, you know, uh, that side of themselves. So it's hard to say. Um, sometimes when you get questions like that, you, you want to give like a clear cut answer, but I, I don't think you can. So for mm -hmm. me, it would be a four-year-old, but that doesn't mean 
the four-year-old sees themselves as a four-year-old, you know? Right. That's, that's interesting. I was going to mention uh, one thing that I have heard from a few mediums uh, and, and people that I respect, you know, I do believe in reincarnation and they're like, all right, Dave. So this child died at the incarnation of four. That soul may still look like a four-year-old girl, but she may have lived 20 lives, four lives, two lives before. So she's got the wisdom and knowledge in the spirit realm of somebody much older than this child. Uh, Then I've also heard mediums and people give readings for people that lost a child. And they say, yeah, there is, does this make sense? There's like a four-year-old child next to you. And you're like, no, I, you know. And, and they'll say, I'm sorry to ask you, did you lose a child four years ago? Oh, yeah. we, I miscarried. This happened. And, da, da, da. and they're like, they're with you. But yet the soul aged up. Do you think that, again, that's just a, a way for the soul to give you, all right, look, if I show myself as a four-year-old to Psychic Dave, and he says I'm four, and you think back to four years ago, you're going to put two and two together that, oh, oh, yeah. Whereas if I say it's a baby, I don't know, I don't have a baby, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, again, and I know these are big, broad term questions, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are on, on stuff like that, Claire. I mean, I think I like the idea of, you know, spirits growing up alongside of us. I think that's a really nice thing to believe in, um, you know when I think about my grandfather, for instance, he's always going to be that age to me, but that doesn't mean he hasn't moved or changed or identified in some new way. Um, But yeah, it is nice. And it is kind of like a, a reincarnation without coming back to earth almost, you know, it's, it's, it's just an evolution or an incarnation or for time traveling doctor who fans, a regeneration. What was most surprising for you in doing the research for the book, the book of seances? So for me on a personal level, I became more skeptical. That was a surprise. Um, But when it came to, you know, the information I was looking at, I think the history of spirit boards and Ouija boards, it was so fascinating and took any lingering kind of suspicion or, or fears around them totally away from me. Like I fell in love (laughs) with spirit boards and I wasn't really expecting that, which, you know, I, I think a lot of people could really benefit from getting to know the history of the Ouija board a little bit more, you know, take away some of that nervousness. Stigma. Sure. Right. I think you empower things too. If you give it the power that it's this terrifying thing I've said often, I will be the ghost because I'm an ass, I'll be the ghost pushing the planchette to spell out, you're going to die, you know, just to be an ass. And and it doesn't mean that it's evil, but it just means you've got a snarky ghost in your presence. Um, so you became more skeptical of the concept, even though you're somebody who does read and and do tarot cards. How, how, how do you balance that line in your own life then? Uh, you know, I... I always think that skepticism is a good thing. And I, I know personally, I'm never going to become a full skeptic. So it's not so much a concern as it is a, Hey, am I going to blindly believe in this? Or am I going to set up different parameters for myself, you know, going into a reading 
for myself. And I think it's been helpful. And also just to not necessarily believe everything, you know, you see online or you hear on the radio, things like that. And I think that's important to, to do research and, you know, just decide what your specific boundaries are going to be. I know we're close to out of time here for this evening's show. Um, for people that are entertaining the, the idea of opening themselves, and I get emails every day from people, and this is my two. If, you're, if you feel like you've got a gift and you don't know what to do with it and you can't find a reliable teacher, there's two great books, both written by the same woman. Echo Bodine is her name. Echo Bodine. She wrote the book The Gift, and she wrote the book A Still Small Voice. Both of those books are very powerful and transformational for people that are opening up to their gifts. Um, but if there are people out there that are coming at it from a place of fear, should they maybe just tamp it down and shut it down altogether? Because if you're somebody who walks in a place of fear, you know, is that making you prime target for more negative malevolent energies? I mean, it can. And I think the important thing to do is to approach any situation with common sense. That's your best friend. You know, um, common sense can take away a lot of fear. You know, if you sit down with yourself for a minute and think, is this something I actually need to be afraid of? Because at the end of the day, I think mediumship or, or working with spirits is actually a positive and it's not as dangerous as we make it out to be, especially when you're not looking for that, right? If you just want to talk to a family member, you know, your family members are going to keep you safe. If you are experienced and want to go look more towards the, the darker places or, you know, the th places with the reputation, that's fine, but not in the beginning. And I, again, that's just common sense. And I think that's how people should arm themselves. Agreed. Uh, fear is no place to live. Um, you know, I also think that if you are in a position where you find yourself hyper-focused on death, hyper-focused on the afterlife, maybe you need, I, I mean this as politely as possible, maybe you need a hobby. Maybe you need to get out of that mindset. Believe it or not, folks, I don't eat, sleep, and walk 24 hours a day, the paranormal. Uh, I, I don't, you know, it's not like I go to the grocery store and strike up a conversation with the guy spraying my grapes. That sounded really horrible. But I don't sit there and chat with him about the paranormal. Uh, you know, I, I do try to have other interests and and engage in doing different things and exposing uh, my brain to different types of information from biographies to music to art, literature and, and theater. Uh, don't Don't put yourself in a position where that becomes your main focus, because I think following death is not a way to live your life either. And I could be wrong on this, Claire. I mean, it's something we, like I said, it's the great equalizer. We all die. But try to enjoy life while you've got it as well. Totally. I mean, you know, we're going to spend the majority of our existence dead. So, you know, there's plenty of time to, to deal with that. Tabitha says, thank you so much, Claire. Appropriate name. Yeah, it'd be great if your last name was like Sentience or something, <laughs> don't you think? Uh, we've got uh, a lot of great people in the chat room. 
that I know have questions. Uh, is it easy to contact you? Are you able to communicate through Messenger, through uh, emails, and help to answer more questions if people would like to uh, do so? Yeah, I can be reached on my website, clairegoodchild.com. Facebook, I'm usually around. Instagram, I go by Black in the Moon, and I can also be reached on blackinthemoon.com. And I love talking to people about this stuff. So, yeah, feel free. Very cool. We have a link for Claire on her uh, or her website on tonight's program guide so that you can find her more easily and uh, reach out to her. Please support the great guests that we have on these shows and make sure that uh, that you show the appropriate uh, affection for the authors that put time into researching and bringing things out like the book of seances, a guide to divination and speaking to spirits, not only buy the book, but make sure to just take two minutes of your time to rate and review them, especially on places like Amazon, because you know, if even just 10 of you bought it today and 10 of you next Friday all went in and put something, it lifts them stratospherically. I can't even come up with a word. It lifts them into a new stratosphere on places like Amazon and gets them more exposure to people that like these type of books. Just like my show, by giving a rating and a review, it does go a long way to help the things that you love and support. Get a copy of the book, The Book of Seances. Whether you want to be a part of a seance, or not, just to educate yourself on the history. I think that's the most important thing. People tell me, what I want to become an investigator, a paranormal investigator. What's the first thing I should do? Read. Pick up books, as many as you can get your hands on and learn. And then I think you should learn to be a medium. But I don't want to be a medium. I'm not psychic. No, but you should understand how it works, why it works, and what happens. And then maybe you learn a little bit more about yourself so that when you're there, you're more in tune with all elements of an investigation. So those are just some tips from your old pal Dave as we kick off a new year here. Claire, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us tonight. Thank you. That was really fun. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friends, all around the world. I can't tell you how much it means to me to continually have you show up here and watch live or listen to the show uh, on audio or revisit the show on video. Either way, thank you for being here and showing that support. I will be back again on uh, Friday, and I do have a special bonus episode coming out this Thursday. It is about Bishop Pike. This is a fascinating story I don't think enough people know about. In a show I did years ago, I have uh, it's it's updated, it's it's tighter. I think you're going to really find this interesting. The curious case of Bishop Pike for a religious man who has his own uh, kind of internal turmoil battle over the psychic, mediumistic, and spiritual realm. And this man is fascinating. What a, what a landmark character. You're going to want to know more about him this Thursday night. You can uh, tune in. There will be a an audio presentation here on my YouTube channel. And for those of you that are subscribers to the audio version, you'll get to hear an audio-only version as well. So I hope that you'll check that out for yourself. The paranormal is fascinating. It's fun to learn. It's interesting when you speak to so many different people. Maybe we need to expand the parameters of our mind, stop seeking one answer to any one question, and instead begin to embrace the different beliefs and philosophies. Because within each one of the different experts that we have on the show, they've found a way in. They found a way that works for them. And although each one may not speak to you, you may eventually find the resonance of the right vibration and the right host that will walk you through that veil to help you understand ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, monsters, mysteries, and more. 
The journey is yours to take, my friends. Continue to visit with us here and you'll learn things and you'll learn more about yourself. And that's my wish for you as we head into 2023, that your heart and mind are opened and that you are blessed with an abundance of wisdom as we continue our journey together on the Paranormal 60.